Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is Brad Kearns. I think a lot of athletes, you know, they can't grasp the idea that you know, fitness is a dynamic process and it entails uh, managing other forms of stress. Look at the ingredients of the chocolate bar. And if it starts with cacao powder, cocoa mass, or something like that, you know that what you have is a product that has been processed first. Here's a quick thank you to our sponsors. They make this show possible and the tremendous production behind it online and in audio. Thank you, wildideabuffalo.com. Grass-fed, locally raised, on the Great Plains for the last 130,000 years. Quit eating that junk food feedlot cattle and get some quality meat into your life. And thank you, DNAFit.com. Cutting-edge genetic testing, delivering customized diet and exercise recommendations for your peak performance. Use the discount code GOY30. Get over yourself. Integro Probiotics make this fabulous liquid probiotic high potency. It's called Flourish, so your microbiome can flourish. Gut health is everything. Get started. Visit EntegroHealth.com and Tribali Foods. Pre-made, creatively flavored hamburger and chicken patties. When you're in a rush, drop one down, fry it up. It's delicious. T-R-I-B-A-L-I. And Almost Heaven. That's the name of my sauna. These are beautiful home-use saunas made of real wood, shipped to your door, easy to assemble, and then you are rocking. That's right, I'm going from chest freezer cold therapy into the hot barrel sauna. Check them out at almostheaven.com. And the Primal Blueprint online multimedia educational courses to go primal, go keto, get a stand-up desk going, master the challenge of endurance training, Go to bradkearns.com and click on the links to learn more about these courses. If you're sick of my voice on the podcast, you can now get sick of my face, too, on the videos. And Real Salt, America's only unrefined ancient sea salt. It tastes great, packed with natural minerals. Stop consuming junk food iodized salt and get real. And now on to our show. It gives me great pleasure to introduce this interesting and wide-ranging show with my guest, Torea Rodriguez. And she was originally booked from our booking department. She was originally booked as a dark chocolate expert because I was greatly interested and inspired by her show that she did on the Nourish, Balance, Thrive podcast. Absolutely fantastic podcast. So make sure you go subscribe there. Uh, Chris Kelly, Dr. Tommy Wood, and the great things they're doing over at their uh, comprehensive health and wellness consultation and testing program, but also very uh, wide-ranging podcasts on numerous different topics. And they got in deep with Torea uh, about her passion of dark chocolate and uh, discovering the great disparity in uh, quality and cleanliness or sustainability, the green stamp of approval uh, on the chocolate that we see in the store. Even the fancy-looking stuff, fancy-sounding stuff that costs a lot of money, uh, 
oftentimes has some adverse uh, grades from people who care about things like uh, child labor in those countries that are uh, iffy and uh, indistinguishable source of the beans. So we learn about the bean to bar designation on the chocolate bar, indicating that the manufacturer started with the raw material of the cacao beans, which are uh, grown in a small belt uh, of latitude uh, near the equator. So they're grown in Africa or South America, basically. And then uh, everything is done, the roasting, the processing, fascinating uh, properties of how uh, chocolate is made. Uh, in contrast, uh, the ones that don't say bean to bar or don't have cacao beans as the first ingredient, I'll have numerous other terms up there like uh, chocolate, chocolate liqueur, um, many other stuff. Boy, you'll hear it in the show. But those are coming from possibly these clearing houses and uh, commodity products where they're buying chocolate that's halfway made, that's in liquid form or something like that and have no idea where it came from, which means most likely that it came from uh, a slave labor or questionable origin. So we want to be sustainable and thoughtful about where we get our chocolate. Torreo is going to get all into it. And we're going to take the show in other direction and learn about her interesting, fascinating background healing herself from a series of health maladies that she largely attributes to the usual pattern of overworking. She was a big-time Silicon Valley scientist, and then she pursued her dream of becoming an airline pilot and fried her thyroid in the process of taking on life and going for these goals and just going, going, going. Uh, but very interesting story. She was about to get her thyroid uh, operated on, radiated, and she started looking for alternative strategies, came across Chris Kresser, came across L. Russ and the Paleothyroid Solution, L's book, and getting into a little bit of that and how that transitioned her career into one of uh, coaching, uh, functional nutrition, transformational coaching methods. So, Really great stuff because I think we can all relate to that tendency to go overboard in the type A category or the type AAA category, just like the batteries. We're not made of batteries. We're natural, dynamic people that need rest and balance. Uh, so transitioning from that overwork, over-exercising pattern, she was also hitting the, the bicycle too hard while she was working too hard, and then getting all the way deep into uh, the alternative or the... Uh, progressive healing methods that are becoming more and more popular today and more and more important to learn about as well. So enjoy the chocolate commentary and all the other stuff that arises in this nice show with Terea Rodriguez. Hello, listener friend. How's it going? Here comes another awesome show. Do you have time to go on iTunes and leave a review? I would greatly appreciate it. This is how we rise up the rankings and garner more attention and more listeners. Spreading the word, of course, is the other fantastic way. So together, as we get over ourselves, have some fun, broaden our education, keep entertained, whether we're exercising, commuting, or, geez, when do I listen to podcasts? Sweeping, cleaning out the refrigerator... Uh, driving for a quick errand. Sometimes the podcast is still going when I'm walking around Home Depot, but then that multitasking thing gets to me and I notice that I make mistakes or forget something, uh, such as a custom color of paint that I ask them to mix up for me. And while I'm waiting, since I don't want to stand there and wait, of course, two to three or four or five minutes, I go get all the rest of my stuff 
and get distracted by some cool stuff here and there, and then leave the store, get home, and realize that there's a custom can of paint waiting back for me, all because I was listening to some awesome podcast. So enjoy your podcasts whenever you get the chance, and uh, remember the benefits of single tasking when you're trying to focus, concentrate on something, and then when you get back into the groove, back onto the flat part of the trail, you can push play and carry on. But if you do have a moment to go over there on iTunes and leave a review uh, between three, four, and five stars, if you're going to give me two stars, then maybe you should just uh, be too busy to go over there. Uh, But it really helps. And say something thoughtful. And also info at getoveryourselfpodcast.com. I know you only have to type it once. It's a lot of words, but it's also easy to remember. That was the, the boundary, the decision point. Is it either super easy to remember or shorter? Because I was going to review, uh, reserve goypodcast.com, goypodcast.com. But as we know, uh, growing up in the San Fernando Valley, a uh, large Jewish community, the word goy is also a possibly a disparaging term, maybe just a nickname for a non-Jew. Goyim is the proper term. So a little uh, Hebrew lesson for the day. So instead of goypodcast.com, although I'm proud to be a goy, I guess, I'm also proud to be an honorary Jew, having grown up in that wonderful cultural influence. (laughs) We're going to say info at getoveryourselfpodcast.com. And thank you for taking the time to leave your thoughts and also send your feedback to the email. That's why I mentioned it. Hey, listeners, it's host Brad Kearns, and I'm so excited to bring to the show the, as I called you on our first email exchange, the Terea Rodriguez. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much, Brad. I'm excited to be here. Uh, so we got connected through uh, the Christopher Kelly, and uh, I already right. know how cool you are if you're friends with him, um, but we were uh, thrown into an email uh, grouping because you were the chocolate expert, and you were kind of uh, setting us straight and giving us additional insight and depth about uh, the uh, the dark chocolate article that appeared on Mark Stanley Apple, and then I found my way to um, the treasure trove of information and uh, commentary that you have on it, what what seems like a hobby to you is this uh, this dark chocolate experience but um so i want to i want to talk about that one of my favorite subjects but also get into all sure. the, the great work you're doing with your holistic health practices so thank um, you yeah why don't you uh introduce yourself and tell a little bit of this uh, fascinating background story where you were a silicon valley scientist uh, turned pilot and then you turned into um kind of a a basket case with assorted health problems that are you know so familiar uh with modern life but that led you on this journey to now where you're doing the um the functional medicine and and helping others uh, get healthy and avoid some of these common maladies that we have in hectic everyday life Yeah, well, um, many millennia ago, I was doing my biochemistry undergrad and straight out of that went into Silicon Valley, a little bit, I guess, scared of all of the school debt that I got. So I decided to go straight to work instead of going to master's school right away and that I would come back to master's later. And um, I ended up in tech. So I was part of the dot-com boom and bust and got a lot of good experience watching companies grow and being part of companies as they were going bankrupt. Um, And I was in the middle of all of that, but realized that I just wasn't cut out for cubicle life. You know, I grew up on a farm in Colorado. 
I was totally a lover of the outdoors. The cubicle life was literally killing me in a cage. So it was a girlfriend of mine who had learned how to fly. I had met her in college. We're still very close friends. And she had learned how to fly. She lives in Alaska. And she took me for a ride in her dad's plane. And it was the best thing ever. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'll do that for a hobby. At least I can go fly and get out of the cubicle that way. It was probably in the first week of flight lessons that I came home and announced to my husband that I was just going to switch careers and I'm going to be a pilot. This is it. I'm doing it. Do you think there's something in your blood, in your genetics? Because uh, so many pilots I speak to have that same initial experience where they they go for a fly and it just just clicks something in them that's maybe unfamiliar with the people that are just taking their seat on road 22A. Yeah, well, you know, I grew up with just my mom. Um, My parents were divorced, and I didn't really have a relationship with my dad. But later on, I discovered that my grandfather was a World War II bomber pilot. And then my father had flown for a number of years, and he actually gave it up when he lost his brother to an airplane accident. And um, so, yeah, there's aviation in my blood for sure. Amazing. Okay, carry on. So you yeah, you announced so, to your husband, um, and of course he was yeah, he was warm exactly. and supportive, and right? It bless his heart. I mean, that's quite a um, rug to pull out from underneath somebody when you're announcing something like that. But um, I treated it like a master's degree. I would study at night. I would get up super early in the morning. I would hit the airport at 6 a.m. I would train with my instructor. I'd be at work by 8.30 a.m. You know, so I was really treating it like that second degree. And within a number of years, I had gained enough credentials and certifications to be a flight instructor. And when I was able to do that full time as a full time job was when I left Silicon Valley, like high tech goodbye. Um, And so I became a pilot. I did flight instruction for a while and then I started flying charter and then I got certified to fly jets and I was flying for private families out of the Bay Area and absolutely loving my job. And um, what had happened was I started to notice that I would sleep as much as possible to make sure I was rested for work. But that had started to turn into 10 hours, 12 hours, 14 hours. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd feel not really well rested. So I went to the only doc that I knew at the time was my OBGYN that I saw. And so I went to her and I told her that I was dealing with this fatigue that was just really relentless and I was starting to get a little concerned and she ran some some basic tests and she discovered that I had a problem with a thyroid and suggested that I talk to an endocrinologist. Um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and uh, he gave me Synthroid basically for it and the doses that he put me on just weren't working. So he'd double the dose. I'd go back a couple months later, he'd double the dose. Then at this point, I'm in this, this special class of special issuance me- medical, which means I have to give thyroid lab results to my aviation medical examiner every six months in order to stay able to fly. And, um, and we couldn't keep the labs within the normal range. It was so bizarre. I'd be at low one time, normal another time, high another time, and it would swing like this wild pendulum. And uh, it was, October was my renewal for my medical. It was the month before that I walked into his office and I said, look, we got to fix this. 
because if I can't pass my medical next month, I have to stop flying. Like we need to fix it. And he just put up his hands and he said, you know what? The only thing I know what to do next is to radiate your thyroid and cut out the rest of the tissue. And I just was like, nope, abort, abort, abort. We are not going there. And um, I took medical leave. I just decided that I was going to figure out another way that I wasn't ready for that severe of a treatment. And that's when I really started understanding that I needed to focus on the immune system. In fact, it was Chris Kresser who wrote an article way back when about how autoimmunity is not a disease of the thyroid, it's a disease of the immune system. And that was the first time that it clicked that I'm dealing with autoimmune disease, not a thyroid disease. And so I ended up seeing Chris. He was my practitioner for a while. And I got totally knee deep into it. You know, Chris, he's all about the scientific articles. And he kept sending me PubMed resources to read. And I was digging into PubMed myself and fell in love with it and decided to get certified as a functional practitioner. And so that's what I did. And um, I started seeing clients in 2014, I think, is when I 2013, 2014 timeframe. And so that's what I've been doing ever since. Wow. So it sounds like you're you you healed uh, spectacularly, uh, and and that was the inspiration to to get into the business and stop flying. Was that kind of a, a difficult transition, or did you just find a new passion that was even more compelling than flying? Um, you know, that was definitely a challenging thing because the the whole thing around flying. Um, you know, I was really ashamed for a while that I had even gotten sick, and I didn't tell a lot of people why I took medical leave. Um. And I had to really kind of grapple with the grief that comes with me having found my dream job and having to stop doing that. Um, And ultimately, what it came down to is I finally got to a point when I started seeing clients that I got my thyroid lab stable enough. Most of the autoimmune antibodies were in regression at that point or remission. Sorry, not regression. That's the opposite. Um, it got to a point where I had to really face the music of, do I want to go take a highly stressful job, knowing that stress is the primary trigger to chronic disease, or do I want to feel fantastic and really connect with people and help them feel fantastic too? And that's when I decided to go down this path instead of go back to aviation. Wow, our uh, usual host, Elle Russ, is going to be bummed that she wasn't here on the interview because uh, we hear these recurring themes so much. She's had so many shows dedicated to thyroid and Dr. Gary Forsman talking about her own book, The Paleothyroid Solution. But what's disturbing to me is you hear this happen so often where you get, um, I, I guess you'll have to call it misdiagnosed. If someone wants to blast your thyroid with radiation uh, rather than re- go the other route. So um, nice to get the story out there. I think there's so many people that can relate, especially when you talk about that uh, that stair-stepping of your, your sleep hours, because I'm coming from uh, the athletic world where I'm trying to perform and recover during my uh, time as a professional triathlete. And I had, you know, everything counted upon me being uh, fresh and rested and ready every day, just like uh, someone piloting an airplane, but perhaps less important uh, as a racer on the triathlon circuit than someone with a a bunch of passengers. Uh, But, you know, when you start uh, getting over that uh, natural, normal,
normal, healthy uh, baseline, and you're dragging after you sleep 12 hours, then um, then we got to go looking for for issues. You know, first we'll pat you on the right. back and congratulate you that you took the time to prioritize sleep. But I can totally relate to that, and um, that that thyroid is is tricky business, especially when people are focused on, I guess, the symptoms rather than the underlying cause. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, There's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want, into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you, of course. It's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. Correct. Yeah. And there's so many other systems in the body that are related to hormone systems, et cetera. So it wasn't surprising that when I started working with Chris, that he 
he uncovered a lot of complex uh, interrelated issues. And so it was just the process of dealing with them one at a time and taking our time and, you know, continuing to find anything else that might be inhibiting uh, my immune system has been kind of a passion of mine. And, you know, it definitely took a while, but I can say that I feel better now than I did probably since college, to be honest. Fantastic. So, yeah. yeah. Some, and some people uh, feel pretty crappy in college. The, the kids are uh, eating, you know, a lot of processed food, not, not minding their, their sleep hours, putting themselves under all kinds of stress, especially these days when we're, we have so many expectations placed on young people. So um, just, right. you know, the, the fact that you're um, getting older doesn't have anything to do with, uh, you know, you, you can conceive of getting healthier and healthier for, for many more decades to come. That, that's great stuff. So what were some of the things that you identified with Cresser's help that needed to be righted, whether they were uh, dietary or lifestyle related or, or, or all of them? <laughs> all of it. Uh, let's see. No, the primary things like that I really worked on with Crest was realigning my the way that I was eating. Um, you know, I grew up on a ranch in Colorado. I kind of joke that I had a hippie mom. You know, she was into the organic vegetable gardening and all of that stuff. And I thought I was eating healthy, right? And I was eating um, vegetarian and lots and lots and lots of whole grains, healthy whole grains. And... Um, didn't realize that I was getting sicker and sicker doing that. So he got me back onto whole foods and pulled me off of grains and he started me with paleo and we did um, autoimmune paleo for a little while to kind of help me with that. That gave me a huge step of recovery was just fixing the food um, and realizing that vegetarianism is probably not the best thing for me because he also found um, pretty severe iron and B12 anemia. Um, and I need to, I need to get that from an animal source. That's how my body works. So that was really helpful. And then we found, um, several co-infections of the gut. Um, and so it was really looking for a lot of the co-infections and treating those over a period of time. We did some hormone balancing, some adrenal work, um, pretty much everything under the sun, but his big things for me were diet and stress and sleep. Those were the three that really helped me kind of get on the right path. Right. So you're talking about this uh, familiar.com experience where you're just grinding for those period of time. You're, you're right out of school. You got the pressure of, uh, of school debt and then jumping into this environment where, um, you know, there's there's kind of a short-term emphasis on performance, on, on going public, on making the earnings, whatever. And it seems like uh, in aggregate, everyone's overworking, undernourished and under underslept. And is it, do you think that's uh, kind of a a trigger to where you went from sort of, sort of healthy or whatever you were coming into it to, you know, destroyed. Yeah. You know, I think stress is a huge part of it. Um, stress of the pressure of, you know, Silicon Valley and the, the need to perform at a really good level. But, you know, there's also just the relentless stress that we do to our body. Um, I would pull all nighters at work. You know, it wasn't uncommon that we did that back in those days. Um, that was pretty common to do. Um, things like I got to stay fit. So I'm, I used to do endurance cycling and I was riding at the time I saw Chris, I was riding 150 to 200 miles a week. 
And, you know, thinking, oh, okay, if I can just get that endorphin high, I will feel better. And yeah, I did if you're if you're working so long in the exactly. you're working so many hours in the cubicle, you might as well you know balance your health by riding 150 to 200 miles a week, and that's, that's right. another one that's uh, tripping people up where they think they're they think they're counterbalancing, and all they're doing is weighing down the one side of the balance scale with more stress. Right. I used to be of the mindset that more is better, and now I understand that oftentimes less is better instead of more, and so that is something that I really had to work on throughout my transformation. Hey, it's time for a commercial on the show, and we're sponsored by Less is Better. And that's a quote by Terea. Oh, my goodness, let's pull that out and remember that one because it applies to so many things. I think even... um, you know, even in the workplace where, uh, what was I just listening to? Uh, Ariana Huffington was saying that um, uh, the CEO of Aetna, the healthcare company with 46,000 employees or something, he had a health misfortune. And so he mandated that his workforce get into these alternative healing methods like acupuncture, massage, uh, reasonable work hours. And they they uh, referenced a study, uh, Huffington referenced a study where um, people that were working uh, an excessive number of hours a week uh, su- suffered a decline in productivity to the tune of 69 minutes a day. So if you're going in this pattern where, you know, you're working 10, 11, 12-hour days for weeks or months on end, it takes you an hour longer to get your work done because your brain is fried and you're not uh, recovering. That was really interesting and a good justification, I think, for uh, for your wonderful quote there. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I guess I really should make it a commercial because um, <laughs> then maybe people will listen more. I don't know. Or please, please don't fast forward. It's not a real commercial, uh, but yeah, definitely on the on the exercise part when you're pairing that with an already high stress lifestyle. Um, I just did a show recently with Joel Jameson who was talking about this concept of recovery debt and the constrained model of energy expenditure, where we only have a certain amount of energy to uh, dispense each day. So uh, go listen to that show to to pair with these comments here. But you know the the takeaway point is that. If you were working that hard and you were putting out that much exercise energy, the thing that was being sacrificed was the energy that you had to devote to recovery, whether it's, you know, raw hours of sleep. But even even so, in general, your body was not given time to repair and restore. No. Yeah, I didn't give it enough time at all. And, you know, Chris gave me the great advice of, you know, really, you should get off the bike for a while and hang it up for about <laughs> six months. And, and I panicked. I was like, what, what do you mean? I, I tried to talk him into letting me ride a 35-mile training ride. That didn't work. Um, but he really explained it this way is that he said, look, you could, you could do, the, do it that way, but it'll probably take you two or three years to solve your problem instead of six months. Whew. There, it's going to appeal to your competitive mindset. The only way possible to get off the bike is to say that it's going to shorten your recovery time. But I think an important point there is that, you know, you have this reference point where, hey, you can do a century ride. You're really strong. You can ride for two, three, four hours. But when you're in that um, that state of weakness or illness, even an easy 20-mile flat ride is too strenuous and, and too much for you at that time. And I think a lot of That's athletes, right. you know, they can't grasp the idea that fitness is a dynamic process and it entails uh, managing other forms of stress. So um, good for him and and good for you to to make that commitment. And um, to to finish up this comment, I want to ask you, I mean, 
this is probably something a lot of people can relate to. You know, your your hard driving, goal oriented person with all these accomplishments and this this great track that you were on, and then all of a sudden、uh, you were inspired to you know. Flip, flip some different switches, turn down some dials. Is it is it difficult? Is it an ongoing challenge to teach yourself to relax, slow down, take more time to sleep,、um, you know, compress your to do list, and those types of things? In the beginning, it was really hard. The only way that I knew was Type A overachiever. That's all I knew.、Um, so it took a lot of practice. Now. It's a lot easier, but I still catch myself volunteering for too much. You know, trying to put too much on my plate, and then having to step back and really look at, okay, what what's most important, and having to get rid of what's not as important, and only focusing on the stuff that is important.、Um, so, you know, things that I'll do, for example, is I take a personal offsite day every quarter now. Where I won't be distracted by work, I won't be distracted by home responsibilities, and I definitely am trying not to be distracted by the internet. And I take that day to really kind of regroup and do an assessment, like how am I doing with health and life and fitness and business and relationships, and really try and get centered every quarter instead of doing it once a year or getting myself to a place where I'm having a meltdown because I've tried my type A. Tactics that don't work well for my body. That is a great concept. A personal offsite day every quarter. I used to dread those、uh, when I was working. I was down working in Silicon Valley about the same time as you probably. But we you know we'd have these three day offsites with meetings and strategy sessions, and all it did was like pile up my email inbox. Like it didn't have the intended effect of reflection and walking in the forest and doing some deep breathing and heading back to the office. So、um, what I like about that is it's、uh, it's doable. Um, it's not intimidating. If you said that you take,、um, you know, three hours every day for quiet reflection,、um, people would dismiss it with a, a push of that thirty-second forward button on the podcast. But you know, once a quarter, if we can just actually schedule in a day and and call it offsite, what a great, what a great title too! Like you're actually going to go somewhere and and、uh, go to the beach with a, a journal pad and and yoga mat.、Um, I, I love that. That's cool. Yeah. So that's been really helpful, and that's how I keep myself in check. But、um, you know, we're we're wired particular ways, and、um, sometimes you have to go against that wiring, and that takes practice. Um, speaking of that wiring, going back a bit to when you talked about how you had the、uh, anemia and the, and the deficiencies showing up when you were eating this high grain vegetarian based diet, and now you've had hands on、uh, with you know a good base of clients to reflect. Do you think there are differences among individuals where certain people could actually thrive on a a, a grain based vegetarian diet, and other people、uh, need to go to the、um, the the bacon and butter, or can we make Make some、uh, generalizations where you know maybe no one should be eating a lot of these grains or, or something of that nature. I have to agree with、uh, Dr. Thomas Cowan, who's in San Francisco, and I saw him for a period of time. But he said something really interesting to me when I was seeing him about food in general and how food is nourishing and healing. And he said there are times where you need to rebuild your infrastructure, if you will. You know the the bones and the muscles and everything else, and that needs a much higher protein type diet to do that. 
But then there are times where you really need to focus in on the macronutrients and the the vitamins and minerals that you're getting from all the vegetables, right? So I don't think that one particular diet works for one particular person throughout their entire life cycle. I think it ebbs and flows depending upon what the body needs. So there are periods of time where I do really, really well on an extremely vegetable-heavy diet. Um, and then there are times where I don't do as well on, a, on that and I need to move to incorporate a lot more meat protein. So in terms of grains in particular, I think some grains can help with prebiotic components and microbiota diversity. So there is a place for them. Um, but I think when we take diets to an extreme and define ourselves with a yes and no rule list, that's where we start to risk not noticing when the body's needs change. Interesting. I, I also recall uh, Kresser saying that uh, in, in regard to protein, he said that your cravings are a really strong catalyst to optimize your protein intake. So if you're kind of uh, on a uh, minimal protein path for a while due to some crazy diet or some protocol that you're following and avoiding foods that you ordinarily might eat, um, well, first of all, you're going to feel tired, you're going to get emaciated, and you're going to have strong cravings for protein. And I think, you know, when you're getting enough or overdoing it, you're going to sort of have an aversion to these foods that, um, you know, might might we pay more attention to an intuitive eating strategy and, and dial in even better than um, the, the protocol outlined in a book or magazine? Yeah. And I try and work with my clients to teach them how to listen to their intuition when it comes to food. I think we've gotten a lot of people who are so worried about fixing their health and want to do they want to be the type A overachiever in their AIP yes, no list or their SCD diet yes, no list that they become somewhat orthorexic. They start to go on that spectrum of being really paranoid about the food that they're ingesting. And that's not a healthy place to be when it comes to nourishment. And so I try and train my clients and teach them how to pay attention to their body and listen to those cravings and listen to what the body is trying to tell them as their ultimate guide so that they don't need somebody's PDF download. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and we've used that term a lot on the podcast. Orthorexia is defined as sort of as a uh, excessive fixation on on the correct, on, on, the, on the healthiest possible foods to the extent that it creates extra stress in your life. Um, mm -hmm. And to, um, to, to maybe play uh, devil's advocate a bit uh, or, or speak for those uh, wise guys and, and wise gals that are listening, uh, what if someone says, well, you know, my intuition says that I should stop off at um, uh, Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> and, and grab, you know, grab six of those uh, and wash it down with three cups of coffee. That's what I really want to do. And I'm just using my discipline and willpower to stay away from these comfort foods that, you know, that I love so much and my, are, are singing my name. Yeah, I would say, is that an intuition or is that an emotion? Oftentimes, emotions are driving those cravings as opposed to actual intuition. So Ooh, a lot of that's times... That's pretty heavy, Terea. Come on. This is where my coaching goes. I'm Come sorry. On. This is kind of what, what happens. But Let, let's ask yourself those hard questions. Yeah. Is it emotion or intuition? We have to really intuition? look at it. Like, what's the emotion I'm feeling if I'm craving a food that logically I know is not good for me? There's something else there. 
uh, not only know that it's not good for you intellectually, but also uh, can report from past experience that you kind of feel crappy after you binge on a, a pint of Sugar. Uh, Ben and Jerry's, you know, yeah. two, two hours later. So you, you're going, you're trading five minutes of uh, uh, indulgence and, and reactionary behavior for what you confirm to be uh, something that, you know, overall causes distress, uh, whether it's psychological from departing from your stated goals or uh, even the physical distress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so what do you do for clients that are stuck uh, in uh, along these lines? You know, I think oftentimes we'll get into a conversation and kind of usually looks at a conversation. And if I kind of step back a little bit, I start to ask them questions around, you know, where where they've felt this before in their life. Oftentimes it comes to childhood, right? So it's not like I'm trying to be a therapist. I'm definitely not. But there is one core thing that I know about humans, and that is that we are always seeking love, safety, or belonging. And when one of those things is missing, we start to try and fill that hole. And some, a lot of times that hole gets filled with food and sometimes not good food choices. Um, and sometimes, so I had a client, for example, who couldn't, could not ditch his cereal habit. He loved to eat cereal, even though he knew that it wasn't going to help him with his blood sugar issues. Right. So we started talking about, well, what's the cereal mean to you? And he thought way back when it's, it's because his mom expressed love to him by giving him a bowl of cereal after school, before school, like this was kind of how she expressed love to him. And so then he was like, okay, now I've got stuff I can go talk to my therapist about. Right. So, yeah. Trip out, uncovering, uncovering stuff from the, uh, uh, the, the seemingly mindless behavior, but it's, it's rooted in something. I like that strategy of, you know, you're, you're helping them uh, unearth some things and then they can go talk to the therapist. Then they can go cry their way to the therapist so they get to hear about the cereal. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something that I'm trained to do, but definitely it's part of their team, right? So another thing that I emphasize with my clients is that I am one person in a large team that's managing your health and you're the manager, and so you can have me, you can have a therapist, you can have an MD, you can have whoever you want, but this is all part of the team and, and we get to work together. I think that's important too because the um, the client has some accountability because um, you see this a lot in the um, in the athletic scene where um, you, you you put your the your, your fortunes and you you put the responsibility over to the coach and frankly a lot of coaches sort of embrace that role where they say you know we have a race coming up in eight weeks and try to take credit for the success of the athlete and all these kind of mm. weird relationship dynamics rather than uh, just being uh, uh, a person that's, you know, kind of uh, the, the analogy in golf is, you know, the caddies carrying the bag, giving the yardage, uh, checking the wind, giving support and encouragement to the player, but the player has to take the swing. And a lot of times when we cross that barrier, um, yeah. then we start to set up a situation where, oh, you know, we could blame Terea because she was on vacation. She was on her offsite and wasn't available that day when I decided to binge on Ben and Jerry's. And so it's all your fault, all, all your fault rather than, you know, taking uh, taking their own responsibility 
responsibility and sort of having a, a direct input even into the process to say, uh, well, you know, I don't think I'm ready for uh, a detox this week because I have a big presentation coming up, uh, but how about next week? And then, then things exactly. start to click. I'm pleased to present B-Rad Grass-Fed Whey Protein Isolate Superfuel, the absolute highest quality all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure, and often contain junk sweeteners, especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the super fuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews. Or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the super fuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at Primal Health 
fitnesscoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that detox, you have sort of a, a sleep program or a program that emphasizes sleep, uh, the, the, the whole life detox. Do you want to talk about that? We'll do a little pitch for your, your program. And then, oh, of course, we have yeah, to transition. Whole life yeah, the whole life detox is interesting. It's not running right now, but um, it's more along the lines of looking at all of the different environmental toxins. And so it's a course that I put together um, with Julie Kelly, Christopher's wife, actually, um, where we talk about the different toxins that you can find in your home in terms of cleaning products and uh, skincare products and makeup and water clarity. And what does your water report look like and what's on your water report? You know, do you need to be filtering water, that kind of thing. So that's what that course is all about, is really not only are we looking at detoxing our body from a cleanse standpoint, but we're also talking about let's look at the rest of our environment that we have under our own control, that we can make a cleaner environment instead of walking around in a soup of chemicals. Okay, uh, help a brother out on this issue, please, because I'm hearing uh, shows like Dr. Mercola, who was on our channel recently, talking about how you need to reinforce your, your, your wires in your wall so you reduce the electromagnetic fields and scaring the crap out of me that I'm just, you know, you know, you know when you go online to get wireless and you have uh, 11 of your neighbor's signals on your right. thing, it can't be good. Uh, but these people that take it to the extreme where I, I really am alarmed to um, to, to listen to the show uh, or talk about, um, you know, a, a, a friend came over and, um, you know, was, was going in detail about, you know, these, these challenges that have been, you know, decades-long health problems, and a lot of it's traced to drinking the crappy Sacramento City water, so I need to get an expensive filtration system, and I totally respect the, the journey that, um, you know, these, these expert voices are on. I mean, uh, you know, Marcola is one of the leading health authorities, but I wonder, uh, in your opinion, you you know, are certain people more sensitive than others where they really need to look at this stuff? And can some people skate free drinking the city water? Should we all be, uh, you know, going after some of these big picture uh, goals of, you know, reducing our exposure to, you know, microwaving a plastic Tupperware and all that kind of, can we go on a little bit of a tier basis here to, to have some takeaways for the listener? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the way that I think about it is it's the overall stress burden to the body. So if you look at your emotional stress, physical stress, that's one area, but then you've got all of the environmental toxins that are another area of stress to the body, that it's, it's constantly being exposed, so it's constantly having to get rid of these toxins. Yes, absolutely. Some people are going to be more sensitive to this stuff than others. So for example, me being a thyroid patient, I'm really careful about those types of chemicals like chlorine and fluorine that are in the water that can interfere with proper thyroid function. So for me, if there's fluoridated water, I prefer to filter that out so that I know that I'm not inhibiting my thyroid function from that. But the way that I look at it is, look, we're all on the same dirty planet. We're living in a world that's different than our ancestors before in terms of chemicals. We're all going to be exposed. We're not going to get away from it. So I say do what you can and do what is easiest and think about taking on another area of it later. So, for example, I don't think that you need to 
deal with all the EMFs in your house, deal with the water system in your house, deal with the plastic and glass that you've got in your house, like all at once, like just tackle it one at a time. So if you need something new underneath your um, kitchen counter to, to clean the counters, when you run out of it, go see if you can find a better product next time. That's kind of my approach is to kind of take it one step at a time. Okay, so if I'm sold and I want to take some action, some simple, easy action, I'm, I'm uh, slightly to moderately motivated. Uh, I'll, I, you know, I'll bend over backward to to search Amazon for a new cleaning product. Uh, but what do you think um, would be some some quick and easy ones uh, that that a motivated person will do uh, right away to clean up their uh, to minimize their exposure to environmental toxins, the detox. Yeah, I would say quick and easy ones are start looking at your skincare. So download the Healthy Living app by the Environmental Working Group. That's a really fun thing to have on your phone because you can scan the barcodes of the product you're about to pick up and see whether or not it's a green, yellow, red in terms of toxin exposure. And so when you're out of shampoo, use the EWG app to find a better shampoo than the one that you were using and do it that way. But it really, I would say start with skincare and for the ladies, also makeup, because that's the stuff we're putting on our skin that does get absorbed into the body. Uh, I read a stat recently that uh, the average American female will spend $300,000 on cosmetics over the course of their lifetime. And the number seemed so alarmingly high to me, but I, I, I put it out there to a couple females and they're like, yeah, sounds about right. And I was like, what? You know, I had no idea how much this stuff costs until I look at my shopping basket on Amazon and my daughter has, you know, eyeliner or some simple product in there. And I'm like, wait, how do we get up to $68? Oh my gosh, it's 20 bucks for that little stick. It's crazy. The prices it seems like. And I guess this is a, a high expense item and a high exposure item too. Category. It absolutely can be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to look at skincare first. What about uh, the kitchen, the water supply? Where do you rank those? Um, kitchen would be next. So ki- kitchen and uh, cleaning supplies. So your kitchen and laundry, like take a look under the cabinet, do the same thing. The EWG app, Healthy Living is easy to kind of rate your current product and find out where it, it falls. And then you can also browse on there to find other products to swap them out. So as you run out of dishwasher detergent, take a few seconds to look yours up and then go find it, another one. Um, water is, m- municipal water is reasonably safe for most people, right? That's why they test it at the municipal plant for, for water. What's interesting though, is there if there are people who are immunocompromised or if there are people who are having um, lots of gut issues, the tiny trace amount of cryptosporidium that is found in the municipal water supply can take up residence in that gut and start to grow and become overgrown. And now you've got a problem with a cryptosporidium infection. So thinking about along those lines, you know, if, if you want to take a look at your water, check it first to see what's in it and then find some filters to help you filter out what's there. For most people, a pitcher Filter and shower filters are way sufficient. You don't have to go out spending tens of thousands of dollars on a reverse osmosis 18 cartridge system for your whole house. Uh, what's in those refrigerators where you have that tube that goes in every every year to change? Is that a, is that a decent filter? Is that carbon or what's the 
It's just a carbon filter, so it's just going to keep big stuff out. It's not going to it's not going to filter out microorganisms and it's not going to filter out any elements that you want to filter out like fluoride. So, it's all right. <laughs> it's not my first choice, but we have one in our fridge. Right on. Well, let's take a little transition into the wonderful world of chocolate. And I don't know where to start, but what I got out of you was so enlightening. And that was that there's more to、uh, kind of the, the story than just looking at your percentage and trying to get a higher percentage from milk to dark, specifically the manufacturing, the production methods, the quality standards,、uh, the introduction of the、uh, concern about slave labor, and also the purity and the health quality of the product can vary greatly,、uh, even among fantastic. Fancy pantsing labels that charge more than a few bucks for the bar. So、um, let's give us a, a little bit of、um, uh, insights here so that the chocolate enthusiasts can make the best choices. Yeah, sure. And that article was great. It's really a great start. There's just, like you said, a little bit more to the story. And、um, I think I've always loved chocolate. Like I was the one going after the special darks at Halloween, trying to pick those out, you know, from all the other stuff. So I've always been a chocolate fan. But it really wasn't until,、um, gosh, probably around 2014 when I was doing my、uh, FDN training, did we discover we were still living in Silicon Valley and we discovered a place in Palo Alto called the Chocolate Garage. And so I owe. Sunita de Terrell, who is the founder of the Chocolate Garage, I owe her a lot of thanks for her educating me on the rest of the story so that I can make better choices on chocolate. Plus, she amazed my palate every single time I went in there. And it was just a real fun experience to start testing these bars that were made from beans that came from different countries and different farms and different processes from the makers. And so, You can get into cacao just as intensely as you can get into wine. It's,、um, it's a fun hobby. So that's how I got into it. Yeah, that's my goal because I don't drink wine and I, I go into the store、uh, and I, I think it's silly to see all these different labels and all these different price points. And I'm like, what, what is this? It's all wine, but oh my goodness.、Um, now I'm going to try to aspire to do the same for chocolate. And、um, One thing I、uh, learned about was the,、um, you know, looking on the ingredient list and trying to strive for this、uh, ultimate standard of bean to bar,、uh, with cacao beans being the lead ingredient. So, can you talk about why that's important versus、uh, what we might see on a more、uh, mass produced kind of commodity product? Sure. And a lot of this, I'm kind of applying what I know now as a, a health professional, but You know, we know that processed food gets processed in a way that the nutrient value of that food is less with the end product than when you started. So that's why they started fortifying breads and cereals with additional vitamins, is because they're lost in that processing、uh, process, I guess.、Um, and so when, when I started learning from Sunita at the Chocolate Garage about What these ingredients mean, she, she was the one who passed that tip on to me, which is look at the ingredients of the chocolate bar. And if it starts with cacao powder and、um, like cocoa mass or something like that, you know that what you have is a product that has been processed first. 
Whereas if you see cocoa beans as one of the first ingredients, then you know that that maker actually took the whole bean and did the processing themselves as opposed to getting it from some large industrial plant who has taken cocoa beans from all over the world and dumped them into one big vat. Now you don't really know what it is that you got except for the cocoa powder that results in the end. So that was just one way of looking at the different qualities of, of cocoa butter and cocoa mass and cocoa beans in the bars. Right. So if you see a cacao beans as the lead ingredient, that means they started there. I just took this incredible tour of the Theo Chocolate Factory in Seattle. If you're up there or visiting there, um, you know, they have a, a, a tour that goes every day and they talk about the whole process and they show pictures of the farms uh, in it's it's kind of a, a chocolate built that's near the equator. So the chocolate is usually sourced from Africa, some of it from Costa Rica. And in the case of Theo Chocolate Factory, they make it right there in Seattle and the beans literally come off the ship from either Costa Rica or the Democratic Republic of Congo. So they have the exact source of their beans, the exact farm. Then they start there and roast the beans and do all the uh, extraction and purification process as they go down the assembly line that you can see with your own eyes and turn it into liquid and all these things. So what you're saying is when you're looking on a label and it starts with chocolate liqueur or cocoa powder or something, they're picking up a product that's been um, prepared by perhaps someone that they can't even trace the origin to, uh, and, and therefore uh, less quality standard, possibly less purity or potency, and also that concern about um, slave labor in chocolate-producing countries that aren't regulated, that don't have that. Um, what's the, the stamp you want to see? Fair trade on the chocolate label? So I just asked you like six questions, so let's go to town. <laughs> yeah, let's see if we can uh, tease this all apart, but yeah, just quickly about the, the cost of chocolate, right? A lot of times if you see a bar that's relatively inexpensive um, from some of these larger makers, that's pretty typical of when you have lost the um, traceability of where the cacao has come from. And you kind of have to ask yourself the question, why is it so cheap? It's so cheap because some of these countries use slave labor. It's a sad fact, but that's what's happening with cacao. It's other industries too, but that can definitely happen with cacao. So I kind of steer away from that. If I can't trace it down to the exact origin of the bar, like I'm looking right now at a bar that I'm snacking on while we're talking, um, and it it's Dominican Republic and Peru, right? So I've got a blend of beans from Dominican Republic and Peru. And I know this maker who happens to be a maker in the United States will import those beans and do exactly what you witnessed at Theo. And I've been to that tour. That's a good tour. Um, and so that's what you really, if you're looking for bean to bar chocolate, you're looking for these craft makers who will import the beans and do all of the processing themselves. So bean to bar is that keyword, and also uh, fair trade practices on the label somewhere. I'm looking at the Theo label, and it identifies that the um, uh, the ingredients are also organic. So um, then you start getting into this and, and reading some articles. Uh, you can go on that Mark Stanley Apple, and I think we have some um, helpful links and 
and so forth. Uh, but then you start looking at these price points that are um, scary high compared to what you're used to buying. Like I love the Trader Joe's 85% dark chocolate lover's bar. It's $1.59 for the typical yeah. 3.5 ounce bar. Um, but you know, now with my concerns erased, I will um, kind of... But now you can ask the question, like, where does it come from? Right. Right. Who, who's handled the beans? Um, and you know, not all of them will have fair trade on, on there. It's not required by law that they do it. Sometimes people like to do it as a selling point. I think really it's just part of the fun thing about craft chocolate and getting to know the different makers, especially here in the United States is to go to their factories and go do their tours and talk to them and get to know them and figure out you know, where are they getting their beans from? What's their process? Then you start to build a relationship with them somewhat. I mean, it's not like you're meeting the maker, but you're going to understand a lot more about the process of cacao and how you can actually get better chocolate and better tasting chocolate, in my opinion, is when you can start tasting the different varieties. Right, just like going to the uh, the wine tasting event at the vineyard and kind of you know, seeing and having that visceral experience. Uh, my very favorite bar that I've discovered after a lot of testing and uh, investing in different kinds is this uh, Lily Bell Farms in Oregon, and the Dark Star 80% is just absolutely incredible. And not that I'm uh, going to visit there anytime soon. I hope to someday, but um, you go on their website and you have this really cool experience where the guy is obviously a Grateful Dead fan and everything's... Uh, got Grateful Dead themes, um, and he sends he sent me my first order of a dozen bars with two uh, handwritten cassette tapes of Grateful Dead songs, <laughs> and I'm oh sorry God, to say awesome. I, I, I haven't used them because uh, I don't have a cassette player, um, <laughs> but, you know, just that, that loving touch where you can envision this small town, it's called Central Point, Oregon, where they're making these bars by hand. Um, I think it's eight bucks or something for a, a two and a half ounce bar, smaller than the Trader Joe's bar. But if you start to get into the experience of tasting and, and noticing the, the different flavor points and on the Theo tour, they were talking about, you know, the origin of the bar, the time of uh, the, 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 the seasons, the different weather patterns, the different soil uh, circumstances, you're going to get different flavors that come out of these highlights, just like a wine drinker can um, kind of go to town with uh, the indulgence there. So I think it's a wonderful world to uh, proceed down, especially trying to up your quality standards. Now, one point, Maybe this would be um, great for Sunita to answer too, but um, our uh, researcher at Mark's Daily Apple um, did not uh, succeed very well in finding quantifiable data to suggest that the uh, bean-to-bar you know, fresher product had higher health benefits than um, some other bar. In other words, most of the studies about dark chocolate, dark chocolate's great, it's high antioxidant. They're just using sort of the, the random commodity product that they might have tested. So I wonder if we can, um, going beyond making that simple assumption that you made so nicely when you're looking at, you know, a processed food product having less nutritional value than uh, a, a natural one, um, is there a way to kind of uh, go deeper into the, the chocolate question? Yeah, that's a really great question. And um, I'm not aware of any other studies that have been done in terms of the processing and how the processing affects the nutritional value. Um, I'm pretty certain that there's got to be somewhere, a university maybe in Switzerland or, or somewhere that is doing that kind of work. Um, Switzerland is known for a lot of mass producers, <clears throat> so maybe not, but um, 
yeah, I mean, maybe talking to Sunita at the Chocolate Garage, she'd be much better in the know in that on that topic than I am. Well, I think it's it stands to reason that you want minimally processed stuff. And when you're looking at uh, a red pepper that's been uh, flown in from chili or a, a blackberry, for that matter, right now, here we are in the uh, wintertime in California, um, it's, you know, it, it, it's the, the taste is different to me. I'm, I don't even taste that well, but even I can uh, discriminate a little bit at certain points where you're looking at food that's been transported from distant lands or overprocessed or in the case of the chocolate, um, you know, commoditized and, and watered down. Um, I think that's, you know, that's certainly enough rationale for me that I'm uh, looking, you know, you go to the Theo Chocolate Factory and where does the tour end? In the gift shop where there's chocolate all over the place and you blow your wad. I mean, I think the tour costs 20 bucks. They should make the tour free because, you know, we're going to go spend uh, 100 at the at the shop with all the stuff that you've just seen being made. But they have like a, a raspberry flavored dark chocolate bar. And because this is not one of the main production line products that they can, you know, run for a 10000 units, they actually have people in a kitchen chopping up the raspberries and sprinkling them into the batch to make it on a short-run production run. And if you do, if that doesn't matter to you, I think it's just so beautiful to go and buy that end product that you just saw um, the people, you know, making with with loving care uh, with their with their own hands right there in front of you. So fun stuff about that. Um, I think we're uh, getting toward. Uh, the end of time with all these wonderful concepts thrown out there it was a it was a wide ranging show so I appreciate you uh, going off onto different different categories and maybe we can get you back on to zero in on stuff I wanted to talk to you more about about sleep because I know you've been deep into that subject but uh, for now thank you so much Teray and do you have anything to add like where we can find you and look into your consulting programs and so forth yeah so um, it's been a ton of fun talking with you today so much and um if anybody wants to check out more about me or what I do or get in touch with me, they can find me at my website, which is TereaRodriguez.com. And I know you'll be adding that to the show notes so that people can spell it. And um, I look forward to talking to anybody who wants to just reach out. Terea, thanks for joining us. This is your host, Brad Kearns. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Hey, it's Brad to talk about my buffalo-fueled lifestyle. Yes, it is incredible food, 100% grass-fed and finished. Check out wildideabuffalo.com. They have a wonderful website acquainting you with the benefits of eating a sustainably raised animal. From start to finish, it goes beyond organic where they're in harmony with the environment and you're eating the ultimate nutritional quality animal. It's something to really think about, consider, and appreciate when we think about the disastrous contrast with the horrible, miserable life of the feedlot animal who's stuffed full of crappy junk food, including candy with their wrappers on sometimes. (laughs) Oh, mercy. When you taste this, when you take one bite, of a buffalo steak or a buffalo burger. Cook it plain if you want to do a proper test. Just take it with nothing, no seasoning, no spices, no sauces. Take one bite and you tell me if I'm wrong. Nope, I'm going to be right. Wow, Brad was right. Everyone who eats Wild Idea Buffalo is right. Wildideabuffalo.com. Check them out. Try some. Go look in the finer health food stores and chains or order some directly from the website.
Hey, let's talk about Tribali Foods. If you're super busy and you want a convenient meal to make in a short time, but you don't want to compromise great taste, gosh, doesn't that sound like a commercial? <laughs> it is a commercial, but it's for something super awesome. And these are frozen organic beef and chicken patties and sliders with awesome creative flavors like Mediterranean, chipotle, umami with the mushroom mixed in, and also these sliders, chicken apple and pork sage. What you do is you take this frozen box, cut with the scissors the beautiful little pre-made patty, drop it on the pan, cook it up, and it's ready in a few minutes. And this company is a real, live, authentic, girl power, entrepreneur, small business success story, home kitchen inspired. Welcome, welcome everyone to the new world where the big multinational beasts that make garbage food are getting knocked off by people who care about what they eat and about their health. And Trebelli was started by my friend Angela Mavridis in Southern California, lifelong family restaurant business member. She was a vegetarian for 35 years, and one day she had a steak, felt great, and started on this path of experimenting with creative ground beef recipes and flavorings in her kitchen. All her friends loved it. She was buying tons of ground meat from Whole Foods, and they're like, hey, what are you doing with this? So she brought them in a little sample. They loved it. They flew her to Texas to meet with the national buyer, and they said, literally, start a business, and we will place a large order. So this is a wonderful small business success story with love and attention to everything that goes into this product. Delicious, totally keto-friendly. Go look at the pork mini sliders. We're talking one gram of carbs, 11 grams of protein, 17 grams of fat, and you get 15% off. Just visit tribalifoods.com, T-R-I-B-A-L-I, and enter Get Over Yourself in the coupon field, and you are good to go. Ship directly to your door, cold-packed, frozen stuff, thawed out in a day, and you have quick dinner, quick lunch, and also available at finer stores like Whole Foods, Whole Dudes, Nugget, Natural Grocers, Super Targets, and launching into Walmart as well. Good job, go girl, Trebellifoods.com. Hey, this is Brad Kearns. Thank you for listening to the show. You know, this show is fairly new. So it would be a huge, massive help if you could visit iTunes for a second or wherever you consume podcasts and leave a positive review for the show. This is how shows attract more attention and get new listeners so I can brainwash them to subscribe for life with this wonderful, compelling content. Thank you so much for doing that. I know it's a big hassle, but if you do it and then you go over and email me, getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com, I will make mail you a dollar. No, I won't do that, man. That would be a huge hassle. Talk about a hassle. But you know what I'll do? I'll thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I'll enter you into a drawing, put your address on there too, and I'll do like 10 grand prizes, something cool like Primal Kitchen extra virgin avocado oil to drizzle on your salads, something, I promise you. Thank you so much for leaving a review. It's time to spread the word about the Get Over Yourself podcast. And speaking of advertising, I promise you at all times, 
I will be talking about only stuff that's super cool, awesome, that I use and appreciate in daily life and would recommend to you or think that might help you. I know you can always push that 30-second forward button and skip the ads, but I want to do some cool stuff. I appreciate you listening if it's value to you. And please, participate in the show. Send me your constructive feedback or otherwise suggestions, comments to that wonderful, lengthy email, but unforgettable Get Over Yourself podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This is Brad Kearns. Okay, hit stop right there.